Jason Scores, and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. So, we're two weeks out from Election Day for the U.S. Midterms 2022, and the episode I launched on Election Day was, you know, what will be clarified for better or worse during these midterms. And so now we have pretty much all the results in that really matter in terms of the kind of balance of power. And so we do have clarity on a lot. And so let's kind of break that down. What did we get clarity on and what does it say? So the first thing just to note is the absolute stupidity of the pundit class in America that predicted this red wave and red tsunami and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, you know, example number 5,352,083 to not listen to pundits in America. They get paid to spout stupidity and ignorance and sensationalism. They spend more time on horse race and who's up and who's down and who, what are they wearing and what do you think they'll say than anything of substance, right? The U.S. media overall is fucking horrible. And so seeing the punditry class just get absolutely destroyed is, is enjoyable. I will say it's enjoyable, especially in this direction, because they were wrong about how well the Republicans were going to do. So again, just, just, you know, put that one away, file that one away for just not listening to the pundit class. Focus on substance, not people who just get paid to just make up bullshit all day and, you know, try to scare people, etc. So putting that aside here, what was clarified? In my episode, when I was talking about the range, I said it could go from a good, you know, Republican win to a, a very good Democratic win. And the reason I gave that range is because I thought things lean Democratic, despite the high inflation the kind of general malaise in the country coming out of the pandemic because two major things had happened since 20, the last election of 2020. We saw an insurrection. We saw direct attacks on the attack on the democratic system. And we saw the radical theocrat fascists on the Supreme Court take away women's rights. And my, my thinking was, is that that would make people kind of think twice about voting for Republicans, at least on the margin. And what I was looking for was a small shift in the electorate, right? A couple percentage points towards the Democrats because of this, you know, anti-democracy and anti-women's rights stuff. And it looks like that's what we got. You know, the electorate shifted just enough to kind of give, keep the control of the Senate and the Democratic hands and, you know, although the Republicans picked up a few seats, mostly because of gerrymandering, let's be clear about this, if it wasn't for partisan, insane, 
undemocratic and what should be unconstitutional gerrymandering, the Republicans wouldn't have even won the House. But they did. They won a few seats, so they're going to have a narrow majority in the House. Now, there's a lot of data still to be parsed out, you know, because you get all these exit polls and who voted. But one thing that Mike Madrid, he's an analyst who's on politicology a lot, and he used to be a Republican strategist, and now, of course, he's no longer with the Republicans because he gets it that they're fascists. Uh, he said that what's interesting is that more Republicans voted in this elect election than Democrats. And what that shows is, is that a significant number of Republicans, maybe on the order of 5 to 10 percent, voted for Democratic candidates in key, key elections. And so that's encouraging. And on the margins, that's encouraging, right? That, again, there were enough of, of the crazy and enough of the taking away rights that some Republicans, some, quote, independents switched and helped the Democrats fend off this red wave. And so I think the, the key takeaway, the clarity here, is abortion rights is popular. There were referendums that passed in Michigan, in Kentucky, and Montana. And Kentucky and Montana, for those of you who don't know, that's extremely red country. And those referendums were against constitutional amendments banning abortion. And those, you know, and so they, abortion access is even popular in deep red states. And so, you know, the theocrats on the court were happy to, you know, say we're going to send it back to the states. And, you know, well, you know what? Every state that's had abortion on the ballot has voted for abortion access and for the pro-choice position. There are a bunch of fascist red states where abortion is banned where they don't have, you know, popular democracy ballot initiatives. So those restrictions might stand. But my guess is that every state where abortion is put on the ballot for the voters, it's going to pass. And even in the deep red states. And so abortion restrictions are going to start get, getting whittled down. And my guess is it will only remain in those states that don't have ballot initiatives, where these gerrymandered, red, fascist state legislatures can ban abortion and get away with it because it's not a democratic system. And now, of course, the Republicans, well, I shouldn't say of course, I say it's likely the Republicans won't stop there. At some point, they'll go for some type of federal ban, although maybe they'll read the writing on the wall and realize how unpopular that is. But basically, I see a future in America where Abortion, strong abortion restrictions will still, you know, be on the books in some of these deep red states that don't have ballot initiatives. But most of the country, there will be access. This shouldn't be how it is. It should be access for everybody, um, everywhere. But it's not going to be the, you know, three quarters of the country have, you know, no abortion access. It's going to be the exact opposite. I think it's going to be a very small portion of the country when push comes to shove and all of this plays out. Turns out also that democracy is a winner. Again, not by the margins we'd like to see, but basically all the super MAGA governor candidates and Secretary of State candidates in these key swing states, Arizona, Michigan, Pennsylvania, right, where the 2024 presidential election will likely be determined and where if these MAGA folks were in there and they might just throw out the will of the people, that could be a serious constitutional crisis. They lost. Now, of course, some MAGA fascists did win. 
those key races in deep red states. But again, from an electoral standpoint, that doesn't matter because those states are going to vote for whoever the Republican is. It could be Hitler and they would win in those states. Right. So for those in those states, it just doesn't matter in terms of the electoral consequences. Now, I want to be clear here. As much as these results are pretty good, you know, overall, Democrats picked up some governorships. They won trifectas of the state legislature and the governor in in Michigan and Minnesota. They did, you know, again, they kept the Senate and might increase the Senate to 51 if Warnock wins the runoff. And I've been trying to help him do that. Um, And they, you know, they kept the House, um, you know, GOP majority to a pretty thin uh, margin. It still sucks that Republicans won anything. Right. Let's let's be clear here. Republicans deserved zero votes. Right. In a just society, Republicans would have gotten absolutely wiped out and won nothing. So the fact that they won anything sucks. The fact that 90 percent of Republicans, 95 percent of Republicans stuck with a fascist party sucks. But again, America's a game of inches. And we got that little switch in the dial, that little turn in the dial that we wanted to see. And we'll take it. Now, there were some disappointments. You know, um, Stacey Abrams lost pretty decidedly in um, Georgia. Better O'Rourke lost in Texas. Tim Ryan lost in Ohio. And Mandela Barnes lost in Wisconsin. And that one's probably the worst because he got pretty close. He got within 1% of taking out the fascist Ron Johnson. And, you know, Wisconsin is a Democratic-leaning state. And so that sucks, right? So there were some disappointments, too. Some really good candidates who ran good campaigns and deserved to win lost. And in the case of Georgia and Texas, they lost against governors who banned abortion. So here's where the, you know, the the pro-choice thing gets a little muddied, right? So ballot initiatives passed. Um, even in red states, but in red states where they had banned abortion, those governors still won, right? Including um, in Florida, which we'll get to in a second. So again, you know, let's be honest, it wasn't as good as we would have liked it. And especially those Senate losses, those Senate seats are six-year seats, right? So we don't even get another shot at that for six years. And that, that sucks. And those are important, important seats. The 24 map for Democrats in the Senate is very tough. So, you know, we need all the cushion we can get. And it looks like the most will be one seat if we win this Georgia runoff. A couple of the other negative outcomes, you know, Florida went full MAGA, right? Ron DeSantis winning by 20 points. Marco Rubio beating um, Val Demings by like 17 points. You know, really, Florida's gone pretty deep red. I don't you know, it was a swing state. Obama won it twice. It seems to me that from what I've understood, a lot of MAGA fascist white old white people have moved to Florida in the last few years. So they're getting an influx of fascists. And then the Latino population there are from kind of Venezuela and and Cuba. And they, they're very susceptible. Kind of the Democrats are socialists. They're going to destroy the country since they've come from socialist countries where the far left really did destroy them. And so I don't know Florida dynamics well enough, but it is sad to see a state that Obama won twice 
goes so fascist so quickly. Ohio's kind of the same thing, right? J.D. Vance is a loathsome piece of shit, and that's actually an insult to shit because at least shit has a use as fertilizer or something, whereas J.D. Vance has no use to anybody. He is just a lonesome, a, lo a loathsome creature. Tim Ryan ran an incredible campaign, a great man, and yet J.D. Vance won handily. And Ohio, again, you know, Obama won that twice, and it's gone pretty full MAGA. Is it because, you know, it's just become whiter and older, more racist? Who knows? But, you know, luckily, Democrats don't need to win either of those states. Biden lost both of those states handily and still won the presidency with pretty good margins. So, you know, it is what it is. It, it sucks that they're kind of moving towards the red column, but we can still win without them. So the, the reality at the end of the day is, you know, democracy lives to see another day, right? The MAGA fascists gave it everything they had, right? You know, everything was, we're going to win 100 seats, Steve Bannon said, and Ted Cruz, it's going to be a you know, red tsunami. And Joe Rogan, who pretends not to be a fascist, but basically is, is saying it's going to be like the movie The Shining where the elevator opens up and the pool of red blood pours out. Yeah, nice, nice analogy there, Joe. Well, they gave it everything they had, right? And we're still standing. They punched themselves out and we're still standing and democracy lives to fight another day. So what this all means for the next two years leading up to 2024, coming right up after the break. And did you think this folk will never win? Well, look at me, I'm coming back again. I got a taste of love and a simple way. And if you need to know while I'm still standing, you just fade away. Don't you know I'm still standing better than I ever did? Looking like a true survivor. Okay, so let's talk about the next two years. And I think this is a little bit more on the optimistic side, not wishful thinking, but just looking at the structural factors in play for the next two years, I think portends pretty well. There are some caveats, of course, and nothing is certain. A lot can change in two years, geopolitical events, the economy, war. But just knowing what we know now, let me lay out a few key you know, realities. First, as all of you know, Agent Orange, the former president who is likely to be indicted on multiple federal crimes and perhaps state crimes within the next few months, announced that he's running for president again. And I think this is going to lead to a GOP civil war. And let me break this down. Obviously, a lot of people are trying to throw Trump under the bus. Everyone's trying to get behind their new fascist savior, Ron DeSantis in Florida. But I don't see how the Republican Party comes out of this in one piece, right? Which is, look, right now, Trump is the only candidate winning. I think if the primaries were held today, he wins the primary. Will he win the primary when it's actually held, you know, a year plus from now? We will see. My guess is he does. And I'll talk about that more in the coming months. But if he does win the primary and is the Republican nominee, I just don't think there is any way 
he can win the presidency. I think he's going to get fucking crushed, right? So, so that's one part. But let's say Trump loses the primary. What is that? What does that in, entail? That means other Republican figures, DeSantis or you know Brian Kemp or whoever the hell knows, has to come in and take Trump on, right, head on. Someone has to say Trump is not the best person for. The nominee, I can win, Trump can't. I am better than Trump. Don't vote for Trump, vote for me. Right? They can't half-ass it, right? If you jump in against Trump right now, you're saying, I'm better than Trump, vote for me. You can't say, hey, Trump's a great guy and he did great stuff for the country and I love Trump, but hey, why don't you vote for me instead? You know, you had vanilla, why don't you try chocolate this time? Right? That's not going to work. And so whoever would beat Trump would have to take him on hardcore. And then my question is, if someone does beat Trump, let's say it is a DeSantis, goes hardcore against him and beats him, you think Trump's just going to sit back and say, oh, okay, I accept defeat, you know, support DeSantis, right? My assumption is, I think based on everything we know about Trump is, he would tell his voters to not vote for DeSantis. In the, in the general election, he would try to sabotage the entire Republican Party, right? Trump's not going out quietly. He's not going to just like, he didn't accept a Democrat beating him. You think he's going to accept a Republican beating him? So I just don't see how they win, right? With Trump in the race, if Trump hadn't run, I could see them getting a, a candidate that could beat Joe Biden or whatever Democrat is in, you know, is running. But with Trump in the race, I think they're in a no-win position. Now, there's some caveats there. There's Trump's health. Maybe something happens to Trump. Maybe when Trump is indicted, you know, he gets so scared, he makes a deal with someone, you pardon me. But again, that is Trump going to trust somebody to pardon him if they win? You know, is that going to become public information? And if it's so, you know, it's just like it's just too, too complicated. I think the simple the simple answer here is the best, which is I think Trump's going to win the nomination and then therefore the GOP loses. If he doesn't win, he's going to go after, he's going to try to burn the GOP to the ground. Now, of course, I think all of this, I know all of this is great. Trump burning the GOP to the ground and ensuring a 24 loss is excellent news. We need to destroy fascism in America. And so... This is good. We'll, I'll, I'll give some updates on this if anyone else gets in the race, but I'm going to just throw something out there. Again, everybody is egging Ron DeSantis on. Now. All the billionaire donors are calling him up. Fox News, he's looking around and going, oh, all the donors love me. The base loves me. The betting markets love me. You know, I got Fox News and Rob, Rob, you know, Rupert Murdoch in my pocket. Okay, fine. But once things settle down a little, you know, the holidays pass and it's January, February. If I'm Ron DeSantis, he's a young guy, right? He's a young, popular governor of Florida. Why does he want to get in now? Why get in now and go through that civil war and have Trump go after you and try to undermine you? Why not just wait for Trump to get crushed and then run in 28, right? And then you can be the savior in 28. Now, maybe his ego will get in the way. I get it. If people are gassing your head to run now. But if he he's a smart dude. He's evil, but he's smart. And I'm thinking when things settle down, my guess is if I was a betting man, I'd say he doesn't even run. 
Why, why do it? Just take the smart money and run in 28. Anyway, so that's that part. With the GOP controlling the House, I think it's going to be complete, utter fucking madness all day, every day, in a way, again, that weakens the GOP. And let me break this down a little here. So the first thing is, if the Democrats had won 52 or 53 senators, they would have been able to remove the filibuster and do things like a Roe versus Wade bill, a voting rights bill, immigration. So if the Democrats had won 52 or 53 seats, it would have been really a bummer to not win the House, right? If we were looking at a 53-seat Senate majority and the House in Kevin McCarthy's hands right now, we'd be going, fuck, we had this opportunity to do all this progressive stuff and we can't because we lost a few of these gerrymandered House seats. So that would have been incredibly frustrating. But the reality is we didn't. The most we're going to have is 51, and we still have Manchin and Cinema who are never going to allow the filibuster to be broken. So we would never be able to do anything in the Senate, and Manchin and Cinema don't want to do more reconciliation bills where you only need 50 votes. So the reality is we wouldn't have been able to do anything in the Senate anyway, right? We can get our judicial nominees in, our cabinet picks, and Manchin and Cinema have been good on that. So the Senate in terms of legislation, is off the table right now. So I'm going to argue here that losing the House by a few seats maybe is actually a good thing for Democrats. And hear me out, right? They're not going to be able to pass any legislation anyway. So if we had the House, there'd be nothing to pass. And then progressive activists would be getting really frustrated. Like, we still have the whole Congress and you can't get anything done. What about all those things you promised? Right now, they're going to know, hey, we didn't win the House. There's nothing we can do. So they're going to, you know, they're going to be like, it sucks, but they're not going to blame Democrats for it. And therefore, the public is going to see the crazy Hunter Biden stuff. They're going to maybe try to impeach Joe Biden for like what? For being a good president, right? I mean, it's going to be a shit show and they're going to give people a preview of what happens if the Republicans win the presidency in 24. At the same time, look, Biden passed three major bills. He passed the Infrastructure Bill, the Chips and Science Act, and the Climate Bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. They got hundreds of billions of dollars to spend. For them to just focus the next two years on getting that money out all across the country, and Biden just hanging back, going to ribbon-cutting ceremonies, having Pete Buttigieg on the Department of Transportation talking about all the amazing things they're building in red states and blue states and rural communities and urban communities, rural Wi-Fi, replacing lead pipes. That sounds like a pretty good strategy to me, right? Ease off on the legislation, just spend the money that's already in the system and build things and have ribbon cutting ceremonies and show people that the money that they're spending, the bills that were passed are improving their lives. Right. Get those electric charging stations all over the country. So I think this is actually pretty good. Now, of course, the caveat here is if the Republicans do crazy shit on the debt ceiling and do anything that can really sabotage the economy and shut down the government, that could be really damaging. And the Democrats would get some of the blame for that just because that's how the public thinks. But with those very thin margins, I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that. We'll just have to see. Right. Another good thing. Right. Nancy Pelosi and the Democratic leadership are stepping down um, and we're getting a whole new group of young people in there. 
Um, that's awesome, right? That's a nice generational shift. It's going to be interesting to see if that hints to Joe Biden to not run. I'm not sure it does, but it's a nice look, right? Remember, Republicans have been railing against Nancy Pelosi forever. They're not going to be able to do that anymore. It's going to probably be Hakeem Jeffries, you know, a 50-something-year-old black guy from New Jersey or New York. And, you know, yeah, they'll go after him and make him, you know, do some racist shit against him. But that's a little harder. Like, he's not going to be the lightning rod that a Nancy Pelosi, the liberal from San Francisco, was, right? I'd like to see some more Latino representation in the Democratic leadership. I hope they do that. And definitely more women. But a changing of the guard, that's also nice, right? So if inflation continues to drop and the economy is strong, with all else equal, I think that puts Democrats in a really, really strong position for 2024. We might finally be able to put a stake through the MAGA heart. And while fascism will never be fully defeated, at least we can set it back pretty significantly here. And there, you know, and if we can make it to 2028 with the Democrats in the White House, the electorate's gonna be a lot different in 2028. It's gonna be a lot younger and more progressive. And perhaps after losing so many elections in a row, whatever the GOP is up to in 2028, you know, they'll have tempered their, their rhetoric a little and be a little bit more, you know, back to kind of some version of compassionate conservatism or something like that. Now, look, that's way off in the future, but I'm just kind of looking at trajectories and, you know, that's if we win in two years. But these next two years are decisive, Right. All of my assessments that I've just presented here are based on current facts and the current trajectory. But again, like I said, the Ukraine war, energy prices, another pandemic, you know, there's just a lot of unknowns. A lot can happen in two years. But all in all, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about the current trajectory of the, the country, given the midterm results. And I'll come back with the antidote right after the break. antidote for today. It's a couple pieces here. You know, obviously don't ever give up, right? You know, it ain't over till it's over, right? And so again, those people who listen to the pundits and, oh, it's going to be a red wave. It doesn't matter, blah, 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 right? Wrong, right? Leave it all on the field. Fight. Don't listen to the nonsense of the chattering classes and then let the chips fall where they may at the end, knowing you did your best. And I also want to say that even in defeat, we can still win. And I want to just give two examples of that, right? Tim Ryan lost in Ohio. He ran an incredible campaign against the fascist Vance and lost. But you know what? It looks pretty clear that he helped win two Ohio congressional races because of his coattails, of the hard work he did, that it helped lift those two up. So even in defeat, he helped get two you know, key congressional races in a deep red state like Ohio. Stacey Abrams, she's an incredible, incredible 
you know, organizer for, and for justice and for voting rights. She lost. It sucks. She should have won. But you know what? She has helped build a huge Democratic machine in Georgia that gave the Georgia election to Biden in 2020, that got those two Senate runoff seats in, in 2021 to Warnock and Ossoff. And now she can help Warnock win the runoff. So even in her defeat, she helped win. And that's a key thing is that, you know, sometimes we look at the headline stuff. You know, did we win this seat, that seat? But these movements matter, right? So don't ever give up, right? Don't ever, you know, just get kind of lackadaisical. We need to leave all of it on the field here, right? And then, you know what? We're going to get some benefits that we might not have even realized. And look, I've been railing against this notion that, you know, you know, the fever is going to break, right? We just have to sit back and the fever is going to break. Obama kept saying that, oh, after I beat Romney in 2012, the fever is going to break. Yeah, how'd that work out, Obama? Not so good, right? Fever is a bad metaphor for GOP madness, right? What it is, it's right-wing fascism, right? That's not a fever that just breaks on its own, right? Go look at the history of fascism. How did fascism end? It's not because people said, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I've been going crazy for so many years. Let me just cool out a little, right? It must be broken, right? Fascists must be defeated and broken. That's how you win, right? And so you don't, you don't win by getting all, you know, um, low energy and kind of defeatist and saying, oh, you know, they're gonna, they're gonna win, so whatever, right? Like again, if I had a dollar for every pundit, even pundits and commentators that I respect. We're saying, well, since the Republicans are going to turn the table on the Democrats, since the Republicans are going to take this, they were saying this weeks, months before the election. I had a good friend of mine who I respect, who's one of the worst political analysts of anybody I know. But he said, oh, we've known for nine months that the Democrats are going to lose the House and we're probably going to lose the Senate. I said, well, what do you mean we've known for nine months? What are you, what are you even talking about? Like, you, you knew nine months ago we were going to lose? Like, it just doesn't even make any sense. There's like this notion that, like, the elections don't matter. That, like, we can't, we, we, we don't wait until we see what the actual votes are. So that's my antidote, right? Just ignore all the defeatist, punditry class stuff for every election. And also to show, even in some losses, and the Tim Ryan and the, the Stacey Abrams thing, you can still get wins out of losses. You can still build movement, build momentum, and be ready for the next time, right? Stacey Abrams, her work, even if she's never governor of Georgia, is setting Georgia up for success for 2024 and 2026 and 2028, okay? So stay in the fight. It ain't over until it's over. And the results of this midterm should be a, you know, a big dose of encouragement for those of us who want to fight for progressive policies and democracy. So with that, everybody, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Take care. Be safe. And of course, for those of you who celebrate, happy Indigenous Peoples Day uh, on Thursday. Cheers. <music>